0: Get ready. It's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman.
1: I'm not Santa Claus. I'm nowhere near round enough to profess to be able to pull that look off. But I do come bearing gifts in the form of the final two hours of Motorsports Madness in 2017. And we got a lot of voices that we're going to hear from over the next two hours hence gifts because fun things anyway jacob Seelman, alongside tom baker and james pike james is back in the states woo at the race chaser roundtable inside the race to the usap event studios here in mooresville north carolina also joined by cisco scaramuza on the race chaser skype line first off we've missed you pikester you're home it's great
2: It is still a little bit weird to be back on these shores after being on other shores for a while, but... Hey, I got cookout for dinner. First time that's happened in a few months. So just need to get the eggnog milkshake, and then we'll really be set.
1: So having him in the building is the first gift, Tom. The second gift is that over the next half hour or so, we're going to get a chance to hear from two very rapidly rising stars in motorsports because we have exclusive interviews with both the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series and NASCAR Xfinity Series champion to cap off the 2017 season here on PMN. And you know what? Christopher Bell and William Byron, not only did they both earn their titles this season, but boy, the hardware makes a pretty
3: good Christmas present, doesn't it? Well, and for Chris Bell, Christmas is the gift that keeps on giving. because he keeps uh, on winning. (laughs) Yeah, he keeps on winning. He won the Junior Nepper over the weekend, so that was interesting. But, you know, it's... In both cases, you've got drivers who obviously are part of the future of the sport. NASCAR specifically, but certainly the sport in general, in Bell's case, because he may end up at some point having to slow down on the dirt stuff that he runs, Mm -hmm. but he's surely going to keep running it. And, you know, both of them are legitimate stars future stars that are are continuing as you said to rise i can't wait to see what they each do in 2018 and i do believe that chris bell will contend for the xfinity series championship i also believe that william byron will make the playoffs in the nascar cup series
1: yes and yes i agree on both counts cisco any dissension here there's our word for the day
4: any dissenting it's hard to do so because everything we've seen up to this point jacob has been good like really good so i i'm sure i can pull out the silver spoon analogy here or something along those lines but i'm not going to because we've seen
3: the talent on display and it's i buy what i see well well to begin with that wouldn't you could only potentially apply that to William Byron. That doesn't apply to Chris Bell. And I don't, you could say what, people could say what they want about William Byron. He, He may have had a great deal of resources to help him to get where he's at, but he still had to drive the cars. And oh, by the way, James Pike, you don't win in NASCAR's truck series, the NASCAR's Xfinity series, without having some doggone talent.
2: Yeah, kid can move in a race car. I think that's that's all we need to see now. We know that the jump from Xfinity to Cup is definitely bigger than the jump is from trucks to Xfinity, and I sure. think that the second two are much much closer to each other than the top level of the sport is. But I just generally kind of agree with you all. I think there's probably something to be said about him going out and being successful in good equipment, and who knows, maybe. Anybody want to put money on a late summer win,
3: Byron? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I Love think he money. wins before that. Really? Oh, yeah. And I'm not trying to over dramatize this. I just think he's that. that good. Well, I think he's that good. He's a sponge. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to come out and win the Daytona 500, but <laughs> I'm also not going to say he can't because, of course, as we all know, you know, flip a coin. And it it could happen, but I do think... You were brave
1: enough to pick Trevor Bain and look what happened there. I certainly
3: (laughs) did, yes. I saw that coming, but... But I do believe that William Byron will get a win somewhere in the first half of the season. I really believe that. Let's remind ourselves he won
1: Daytona in July in, with the Xfinity Series. Yeah. So I'm not going to say he can't win the Daytona 500. Well, that, that's what 500,
3: I'm saying. I just do not want to be the guy that, well, he's going to win the Daytona. You know. Watch him win the Daytona
2: 500 well, because you said that.
3: He can. He <laughs> can. And, and, you know, again, I, I – I had somebody ask me the other day, well, why do you think he's going to do so much better in the car than Casey Kane? I said, well, (laughs) I think he's, I honestly think that William Byron is a special driver. I think he's really talented. He listens well. That's the main thing. And I think the team will be better than it was for Casey Kane. Rick Hendrick has understood that that five car needed a kick in the pants. So what better a way to give it a kick in the pants than bring in a new spotter, bring in a new crew chief, and change the number to 24, which, oh, by the way, has won Daytona and a bunch of other things, including some championships over the years. You know, this isn't your grandpa's five car anymore.
1: No, that would be the number 24 has won 93 races, three Daytona 500s, and four Cup Series championships. And you didn't even have to look. No, I didn't. That's one of those, I know that in my sleep. Now, remember what our theme was on this show last week, how all the news of the day was Richard Childress Racing related? (laughs) Would you laugh at me if I said there was a news bulletin that was, again, Richard Childress Racing related?
3: No, because I know
1: where you're (laughs) going. Anderson's Maple Syrup is back with RCR in the Xfinity Series next year. Not big news necessarily, but great for Matt Tift because they've been a major partner of that two-car in NASCAR's second division in the past. You know, again, this is sponsorship that will undoubtedly help the Ohio young gun as he continues to uh, try and find his foothold. And admittedly, I think we were all a little unsure where his sponsorship was going to come from next year. So good to see this deal in place for him. We don't know exactly how many races, but any multi-race
3: deal is good. Well, yeah, I mean, Steve Anderson's been around the sport a while and has sponsored different cars at different levels and different series. But, you know, I think um, it is good for Matt Tift. I wasn't too worried about his sponsorship situation. If Richard Childress is going to bring you in, there's a plan in place to do that. So I didn't feel like this was a situation where he was coming in without enough funding to get him through the season competitively. But of course, as you say, every little bit helps. And um, Anderson's is a sponsor that has been around a little bit. So uh, that's good. And I really want to see Matt have a good, strong season with Richard Childress, I think him and Daniel Hemrick are going to be very, very good teammates over there. Uh,
1: I said that about two months ago when this deal was first announced that I thought Tift and Hemrick were going to be great teammates. Now, the other bulletin that came out earlier today was, again, sponsor-related, James, but uh, I'm still nervous about this team in particular. Richard Petty Motorsports gets the Air Force back for Daytona in July, and Phoenix on Veterans Day weekend. But that still leaves, I think, 28 points races unaccounted for. If I've added all my sponsorship up correctly, you've got three click and close, a couple STP, a couple Air Force. There's a lot left to try and fill here, and I keep asking myself, where in the heck is it coming from?
2: 29, I think.
1: Okay, I was close.
2: Yeah twenty no twenty eight no twenty eight you had it right, so um yeah it it kind of goes back, it reminds me a little bit of what we kept on saying about this time last year when Brian Scott departed Richard Petty Motorsports, and they still said they were going to run the forty four two years ago, or, yeah, don't. it's
1: been two years two now, years. jeez yeah.
2: Time flies when you're having fun, right? Yeah. So, But anyway, that you know, we go back to the same principle of they say they're going to continue the run of the car, but then you stop and you look at the numbers and the math and you ask, where is the sponsorship money going to come from? And they didn't have it. So now I could see this being a case where somebody ends up stumping a little bit of money, and I'm wondering if Chevrolet might end up being the answer to this to keep that car going for the name and the legacy of the team. But it just, something's off. Something's missing here, Tom.
3: See, I don't think it's missing at all. I just think we don't know what it is. is. I'm not Really? I'm not too worried about the situation with the 43 car. I don't think that Richard Petty Motorsports goes to Richard Childress and makes the deal they made and comes back to Chevy and signs Bubba Wallace, who's a very high-profile driver, without a plan in place to make sure that they can adequately run the entire schedule. Now, am I saying there's a big, huge sponsor that's gonna do 20 of the 29 races? Maybe not. I'm saying that I believe that they're going to be in a position to do the full season and do it well. Whether or not that means a bunch of little sponsors or a couple of big ones, I believe that they'll be fine. I think there is a plan in place, and I think once the even once the season starts, if Bubba starts running well, I think you'll see those sponsors coming on board. Because from a from a Wall Street standpoint, I mean this this whole situation is irresistible, and I still think a company like, for example, a Domino's Pizza would get a bunch of value out of being a part of this team. Andor being a part of this team, Jacob and Richard Children's Racing in some sort of combination form and I still say that eventually we could see some of that going on. One
1: can only hope, right? I think it'd be great.
3: I think it would be How great. How cool would it be to see a commercial with Richard, Richard and Bubba?
1: <laughs> it sounds like the punt or it sounds like the beginning of a bad joke. <laughs>
3: But see, that's honestly just the idea, isn't it?
2: Makes me think Larry Curley and Moe. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you <laughs> could do anything
3: with those three. Uh, you and know, Richard and Richard walk or into a bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: We're going we're to go away to a break before we lose our minds any more than we already have, not that we really <laughs> ever had say. them in the first place. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and when we come back, you'll hear from Christopher Bell right here on PMN, the Performance Dang. Motorsports
5: Network
7: Hi, I'm Matt Tift,
8: and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: Welcome back to our final Motorsports Madness episode of the 2017 season. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker, James Pike, and Cisco Scaramuza talking racing here on PMN. And, of course, as always, thanks to Bob Steele and all the folks at the Performance Motorsports Network that have put up with us for yet another year. It's been fun (laughs) to get to do this, and we will... Inch ever closer to the magical 200 mark coming up in 2018. Right now, going to talk about the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series and revisit, Tom, just how amazing Christopher Bell's season really was. I mean, he had some pretty big shoes to fill with coming into the team with Rudy Fugel that William Byron drove to seven victories. He didn't quite get to seven, but he still won when he needed to and just about everywhere. This team was by far the most dominant and the most consistent team of the entire year in the truck series, and they went out and pummeled the other championship four when they needed to in the finale at Homestead. Yes, it wasn't Chase Briscoe winning the race kind of pummeling, but... I think Christopher Bell knew who he needed to beat, and he ran hard enough to stay ahead of him in the end. It was just a great and a very calculated, I think, campaign by him. That's the word I'd use.
3: Well, I want to assign some credit away from Chris Bell for that last race to Kyle Busch and those who were also in his ear along with Kyle yeah. because you know we all know that Chris just wants to go, 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 and I think... You know, last year he was doing a lot of coaching with with Chris. Kyle was uh, the last race of the season. And this year he did again. And it shows you the maturity that Chris has developed from one year to the next for him to be able to actually. Listen to them and just stay kind of stay in your lane, so to speak, and, you know, and run a good heads, heads headsy smart race. To win the championship and not feel like it's checkers or wreckers because that's yeah that's really the deal. But I think I think Chris in the Xfinity car next year will get his seven wins. You think? Yeah.
1: James, surprise or expected that he won the title this year?
2: Oh, totally expected. Totally expected. He was in my mind the absolute best talent returning to this series from. 2016 and I mean shoot he wasn't too far from winning the title a year ago.
1: No he made the final four in 16. I was so. going to say
2: yeah he was right there not too far behind Johnny Sauter so uh, I think uh, I, I figured it was going to be one of Bell or Sauter and it just would come down to who ended up winning more and I, I think uh, having more momentum, I, I'm trying to find the right sort of like gut word and it's not quite coming to me, but uh, I expected a sort of back and forth kind of season between those two. Johnny. Seesaw. Yeah, seesaw. Johnny Johnny would be the guy on the mile and a half, and Chris would probably have a shot, probably have a shot just about everywhere else. And if he could figure out the mile and a half, which he did yes. by the end of the year, yes. that would tip the scales in his favor. And, and he did. did Anyone?
1: Yeah. And, Cisco, I'm going to get to you after we hear from our champion. But first, I'm going to look at Bill, tell him to press a button, and we're going to hear from the Norman, Oklahoma, young gun on his 2017 championship season. From the dirt tracks of middle America to the nascar camping world truck series championship christopher bell you have accomplished so much over such a short time the last couple of years and i heard you say it about four or five times on the stage that it was a dream come true you've had about a month to soak it in but i still get that sense when you walk into an event like this and they call all the champions together it's a moment of i still can't believe i get to do this is it still kind of surreal in a way yeah it is it
9: it's just to be able to be called an NASCAR champion is something that I didn't think was a possibility as a kid, so it's, it hasn't sunk in yet, but it's going to sink in on Saturday night whenever I have to speech yeah. in front of everybody and, and pick up that trophy.
1: Have you prepared yourself for the speech yet? I know uh, when you started your career, that was one of those things where the winning part is great, but getting up on stage and doing the speaking, have you kind of mentally gotten yourself into that zone yet?
9: Not yet. I've worked on the speech a little bit, but still going to be nerve-wracking whenever I get up there.
1: Talk us through your season a little bit. Obviously, a lot of high points with the victories that you had, and you know, started quick at Atlanta, and then really just maintained all the way through.
9: Yeah, well, it was really good to start off. We went to Daytona, Atlanta, ran well. Martinsville was good. We ran really good all the way up until the summer, and Went to uh, Bristol, Michigan, or Bristol, Eldora, Canada, where we had three bad races, and from that point on, we just kind of had to regroup and refocus, and we were able to, you know, carry the momentum on, or get momentum at the beginning of the playoffs, and then carry that all the way to Homestead.
1: You did a lot of dirt track racing this season. I know you've said for years, that's a big way to keep your skills sharp. How much do you feel like that's helped you over the course of, of making this championship run this year, not just to keep your skills sharp but to have fun along the way too.
9: I think it helped me out this year because I was able to stay sharp and winning always gives you confidence and this racing deal is a a huge head game sport and confidence is everything so being able to win a lot of dirt races and race a lot of dirt races helped keep my attitude good and kept my confidence high.
3: And now we look at 2018 and an opportunity, obviously, in the Xfinity Series, which you kind of cut your teeth in this year. Talk about the transition from the truck to the Xfinity car and also talk to us a little bit about what dirt racing you think you'd be doing again. Of course, we obviously hope we see it at the Chili Bowl again.
9: Oh, yeah. I'll be a Chili Bowl until I die. But uh, dirt racing next year is going to be a lot more limited because the Xfinity schedule is a lot busier. I'll still be able to run some races, but not as many as I did this year.
1: Tom mentioned you ran the four or five Xfinity races to close this season. How big a help do you feel like that's going to be going into next year? Because you've already had a chance, really, to get comfortable with the team and get comfortable with the car.
9: Yeah, that's going to be huge moving forward. Seat time is everything. So to be able to run and I think I ran eight Xfinity races this year and ran the final four so I got uh, an idea of how the weekends go how Joe Gibbs Racing operates and I've been to Homestead and I went went to Homestead driving for an owner's championship so I kind of have that final four mentality obviously it'll be different if I make the driver's championship next year but I have that experience so it should pay huge dividends.
1: What's it meant to you obviously uh, to have the support not not just in NASCAR, but all the way through from the very beginning of your career that Toyota has given you the last couple of years.
9: Well, it's been great. They've done an excellent job preparing me for the next level. And this year, 2017, we saw the same thing. They got me in quite a few Xfinity races and different style racetracks. So uh, they prepared me as much as they can for next year.
1: The battle at Turkey night. I want you to talk about that for a minute, because I don't think I've seen a smile on your face quite that big after a, a hard fought race. in a long time i mean what was it like to go toe-to-toe with kyle really for the first time you two against each other since you guys were battling full-time with keith coons
9: yeah it was a lot of fun it was one of the most fun dirt races i've ran in a long time not just dirt races pavement races any race and so that anytime you're having fun you're normally doing well so to be able to race with kyle like that was really cool and Glad I was able to beat him.
1: (laughs) Something that's hard to do, no doubt. You won the Chili Bowl once. What would it mean to win it a second time here in January and be a back-to-back winner? It'd
9: mean I'd have two Golden Drillers.
1: (laughs) Okay, I knew that. I think we know it's not going to be any easier this year to get it done. What does the event mean to you as a kid from Oklahoma who grew up coming to the event and really seeing it grow all the way
8: back?
9: I don't know. It's just been really special to me because me being from Oklahoma is... That's what racing is to me. That's what racing's all about. So to be able to win it was really cool. And to go back as the defending champion, I'm just excited that I have a provisional end of the race this year. Yeah.
1: No matter what, uh, we know we're going to see you in that, amen Main, And I know, Christopher, so many people and supporters that you need to have a chance to say thank you to. Uh, talk about who's made it happen for you over the course of this season.
9: Well, it just comes down to people. I've had great people all the way along every step of my career, and, you know, Toyota's been a big part of that. So
1: a Toyota ride all the way through Christopher Bell, 2017 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champion. And Cisco, when you look back, I think this is the year where we say Christopher Bell came into his own in the NASCAR universe, so to speak. I mean, this was the year that anybody who didn't know who Christopher Bell was learned who he was real quick
4: you learned who he was and he became the face of the youth movement in NASCAR in in a way because, you know, with him getting this championship, we see him and, you know, guys who have come through the ranks just like he has. You know, I think of someone like a Abreu or even, you know, to some extent if you go back far enough, um, you know, other drivers who have come through the ranks. So, James, I think this is a case where we see Bell going out Not only is he the face of drivers who have come through the dirt and into NASCAR, but just the youth movement in general, whether you see him at the face of, you know, the youth movement on something like iRacing or the youth movement in NASCAR or the youth movement in even World of Outlaws.
2: Yeah, I I keep thinking he and Larson are sort of the faces of this generation in terms of the guys who can just do it everywhere both on dirt and on pavement because they obviously have skill in both and i think uh, i'll be curious to see how that sort of influences the next generation because i you get the sense that you know guys like stewart and gordon kind of influence bell and larson and you wonder if that's going to proliferate some 20 years down the line and we'll see you know maybe five or six people who watch guys like seabell and young money and we're like hey let me go see if i can do this on both disciplines and try and learn from each other and see if i can blend my driving sound into something that works for both
1: yeah it's going to be amazing to see how many drivers we're watching potentially be successful right now, be the inspiration for drivers a couple decades down the road. We're going to step aside when we come back. We continue our conversation and here next from the NASCAR Xfinity Series champion. William Byron is on deck here on Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
5: HMS
3: Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck Teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even RaceCom Radio Kits. HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing, Making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina, and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you.
6: What an awesome game!
8: nascar driver william byron you're listening to motorsports madness on pmn the performance motorsports network it's almost like i planned that
1: or maybe i did the world may never know welcome back to motorsports madness here on the performance motorsports network jacob Seelman, tom baker james pike and cisco scaramuzza with you talking racing one final time in 2017 and in just a moment, you're going to hear from the aforementioned and aforeheard from, yes, I know it's not a word, I just made it one, William Byron, who stormed his way into NASCAR's spotlight, Tom, and won the Xfinity Championship after a hard-fought battle with his teammate Elliot Sadler in the final race of the year. We knew he was a prodigy from the first time he set foot in a Legends car, but Did you expect this kind of a performance
3: this season, honestly? Well, I don't know if I'd use the word prodigy to describe William Byron, but I understand where you're going. He certainly has been a winner uh, from the first time he set foot in a Legends car. I think William has a big brain, and he just absorbs things so quickly and so easily, and that's a gift that he has that's really served him well so far. I do believe that William Byron did exactly what I expected him to do. I mean, I, before the season started when we were making our picks, I was very clear that I thought William Byron would contend for the championship, and I may have even picked him to win it. I can't remember now if I did, but he he really is just one of these racers who is just destined to have a Jeff Gordon type career. Now, not to say he'll hit Jeff's numbers per se, but I certainly think in terms of the way he approaches the car, the way that he, you know, drives a race, as cool as he is under pressure, which is a big key, he just, he seems to be able to, he has the champion's gift. When the stage gets bigger, he elevates. And that's, you know, I look at the, the race that he won at Indy this year as being that's William Byron he was sure he had a tire going down he was sure he wasn't going to make it to the end but he dang sure wasn't going to slow down either uh and you know the the last 10 or 15 laps of that race the way that he drove I think it was Paul Menard that was right on his tail yeah and you were not going to beat William Byron no and he gets out of the car And you could see he's just looking around, and it's like, I just won Indy. You know, it's Indianapolis, and I'm a kid, and I'm standing here with a checkered flag in my hand. That's William Byron. And, and, you know, I think he's just that good.
1: And we're going to shut up so you can hear from the kid that Tom thinks is just that good because, well, He kind of is that good. William Byron on a season that encompassed wins at the biggest venues and an Xfinity championship. It's a champion's day, and we finally get the NASCAR Xfinity Series and NASCAR Camping World Truck Series champions, the Xfinity version of those two, William Byron, who, I mean, I can stand here, look at you, and literally say, five years ago I was at your first race, and now we're standing here and you've won a nascar xfinity series championship this ride has been insane in your own words i mean can you still believe it at this point
8: no i mean it's uh it's been incredible the last few years really and uh coming from starting in legend cars and kind of seeing where it's taken off to and all the opportunities that have come about it's uh it's pretty awesome so just very thankful for all that and uh i'm just loving what i'm doing on the racetrack and uh it's been a lot of fun and can't wait for next year as well.
1: Your season was defined by a couple of really big moments. Daytona, Indianapolis, the win at Phoenix to propel yourself into the championship round. What was this like this year? Because it started off a little bit slow, but you guys caught fire mid-season. You found something, it seemed like, and from there on, you guys were dynamite.
8: Yeah, you know, I would say the Michigan race was really where we started to hit our stride. We finished second to Denny, and we felt like we were one of the best cars there and we had a capability to win the race and uh, just came up a little bit short and that inspired us for the next week and went on to win Iowa the next week and then Daytona after that so it was really a stretch of four or five races there in the summer that just took off and everything started to click for our race team and once that happened we knew what we needed to do to succeed and um, what we needed in the car to, to be competitive and we started to do that uh, each week and it uh, it started to show as the year went on, and, and then I think as the end of the year came, we kind of transitioned and we had to relearn ourselves and relearn what made us successful in the in the uh, summer months, and that's really difficult. A lot of teams aren't able to do that again. Some teams are really hot early in the year, and then they don't find it again. Um, you know, for us, it was hot in the middle of the year, and we were struggling to find it as the chase started, um, but then we got it, and we figured it out the last couple races, and it just took off.
3: Okay, so Jacob just mentioned three big tracks, Daytona, Indy Phoenix you won Daytona you won Indy you got redemption at Phoenix now any one of those accomplishments probably would have been amazing in your mind at this point in your career all three in one season talk about what that was like to win at Daytona and Indy and finally just put Phoenix in a place where you can say gotcha
8: yeah I mean definitely you don't envision winning those races um, you know as the season starts we just wanted to win one race and that was the goal was to win one and you know the season started off a little slow and uh, we started to pick up our our pace and our speed in our cars and once we did that the wins came with it so I think we understood what formula it took to win and then at the end of the year we were able to put ourselves in position again to get those and um, Phoenix was really good because the competition is so tough at the end of the year there are so many good cars and a lot of good drivers and uh, it takes a lot more at that time of the year to win
3: in the last race yeah. to win the championship, that battle that you had with Elliot coming down to the wire, yeah. for us watching it that was incredibly dramatic. What were you feeling inside the car? I mean, to be on such a big stage, such a big moment so quickly into your career. Talk about that a little and what was, what that was like and what was going through your mind through that
8: race. Well, Homestead is a, is a racetrack that you you just gotta like and you gotta enjoy it and I'm fortunate that it's a racetrack that I really enjoy and it's a place that I really feel like I'm good at and, uh, you know, it's, it's really really slick it's it's worn out it's hot down there and and, uh all those things come into play um so you just got to really take care of the car and take care of the tires and you know i thought we were done when elliot passed us uh we were really loose and then we just started to get the the groove against the wall going and and started running back down and it just took a lot of a lot of trying and a lot of ideas up there but uh it was one of the most incredible things i've ever uh, been a part of to those last 20 to 30 laps were um kind of what you dream of about so it was, uh, it was something I never pushed myself that hard I was so out of breath when I got out of the car I felt like I was going to collapse but it was uh, really cool
3: and now you make the transition to Cup which is your dream it's been your dream for how many years now talk about what it's been like so far in this off season to be kind of moving toward Cup what, what's a day in the life and just talk about some of the things you've had to do that maybe you didn't expect or weren't aware of well, it's a. Uh, it's been really busy. It's
8: uh, It's been different, and it's taking on another another role. And this is uh, you're you're really reaching the point in your professional career to be at this level and have an opportunity like this. And the thing that's hit me is that I'm racing some of my idols next year, and that's that's going to be cool. But it's also going to be uh, interesting because you got to learn how to race them just as hard, and uh, you kind of got to look at them as as a faceless opponent. So it's going to be fun. Uh, a lot a lot of excitement going around. And I can't wait to get in that car and really just see what we can do.
1: I think the very first time I ever met you, you mentioned Jimmy Johnson as the guy you wanted to emulate. Now you have him as a teammate. I mean, could could you have ever pictured that? And what's it been like?
8: Yeah, it's been really cool. Uh, jimmys he's a great resource for all of us. And I feel like he's got so much knowledge and he's willing to share it. So uh, he's definitely going to be a great resource. And I'm going to lean on him a lot. Uh, you know in the first few races for sure so uh, hopefully we can just all have a good year I think the new Camaro is going to be really strong and uh, I think Hendrick's going to be really strong next year
3: you're going to be driving the number 24 talk about what that means to you as a kid growing up who really wanted to be in this organization and has made his dream come true does it add pressure does it make this whole experience even that much greater what are your emotions about that
8: yeah, I mean it definitely makes it uh, you know really exciting and there's a lot of lot of uh, lead up build up to it, but I feel like it's just another race car for me. But I think on the outside when you step in that car, it's going to be very surreal and it definitely makes me smile. You know, we're just at a production day today and just seeing that car in person and seeing what it's going to be like with my name on the door is uh, is really neat. So I can't wait for it and it's going to be a lot of fun to hop in it.
1: Step back in time for a minute. 14, 15 year old William Byron versus the one that's sitting here right now. Knowing what you're about to do in 2018, if you look back on yourself then at the start of your career, what do you tell yourself? I mean, is is there anything to even prepare yourself for this moment?
8: I mean, it's really it's hard to at at my age it's hard to really take a step back and have a chance to breathe. So I feel like you know. those are the things you always want to do but it's really hard to and when you're trying to succeed and you're trying to continue to push for more um but you know this offseason will give me a chance to reflect and kind of I love I'm really an avid you know YouTube watcher and I watch a lot of videos of racing and I'll have a chance to kind of look back and maybe some of the old stuff and legend cars that I'm very thankful that guys saved and that we have that stuff on tape because you just don't realize at the moment it feels like you can just have that again but it really goes away so quick, so um, I'm definitely going to look back at that and it's very surreal to be in this position, so it's uh it's going to be incredible.
1: Who do you need to thank? I know so many people and so many partners have gone into your rise through the ranks here over the last couple of years.
8: Yeah, I mean, that, that list has really gotten a lot bigger over the years, the the thank you list of, of guys. Uh, I would say, obviously my sponsors, Exalta, Liberty, um, you got to have sponsors to make it happen, and they've been Very supportive, and Mr. Hendrick, um, you know, has just given me everything. And I would say, uh, you know, JRM has obviously given me a home this year to to race for them, and um, they've been awesome. So, uh, and then my parents, you know, they've been there since day one and uh, taking me to races. Now they've kind of, it's kind of my deal now, but they still get to go, and it's uh, a lot of fun to see the looks on their faces uh, when I'm out there succeeding. It's
1: been a special ride, and one that we've all been glad to be a part of. William Byron. I never thought I'd say this to begin with, but 2017 NASCAR Xfinity Series champion. Congratulations,
8: bud. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
1: Cisco, this is a case where we're going to see what William Byron's made of next year when he goes into the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. What do you anticipate after the year he
4: had this year? I anticipate that we are going to see him. If not on the verge of the playoffs, in the playoffs next season.
1: Yeah, I think, Tom, you may have said that too, didn't you?
3: Yep, I believe he'll win a race somewhere in the first half or early in the second half. And I believe that he gets and obviously gets into the playoffs because of that. All right, we're going to step aside. When we
1: come back, we'll shift gears a little bit and go into a bit of a season recap for the open wheel set, along with a little bit of news out of the Verizon IndyCar Series to close the 2017 season. And look ahead. You're listening to The Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports
8: Network.
7: It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion.
6: Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled.
8: Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time.
6: What? What? No! no!
7: Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information.
5: Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less,
7: At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
6: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
0: Let's throw the green for Open Wheel Central on Motorsports Madness. Now back to the round table and Jacob Seelman.
1: We are back here on the Performance Motorsports Network, and we are talking open wheel racing right now of the IndyCar variety as we get set to close the book on 2017. This is, of course, our final madness show of the year, and James, it wouldn't be madness if we didn't have some breaking news during the course of the day. We had that, courtesy of Andretti Autosport, who's been good at giving us news on this side of things lately, but... An old familiar face back with the Andretti Bunch for the 2018 Indianapolis 500. Carlos Munoz has nearly won the 500 twice with Michael Andretti. The team has won the last two Indianapolis 500s, that being Andretti Autosport. This is a match made in heaven, isn't it? You know, Carlos is owed one. He's coming back to the team that he's been so good with. There's nothing not to like here.
2: It pains me to make the comparison only because I think I speak for everyone when I say we still miss him, and it's been a while now. But, man, does this feel kind of like what Weldon did in 11, didn't it? On on a lot of levels, you get a guy that's got uh, a pretty fantastic track record. I mean, really, the only thing I feel like Munoz is missing from Indianapolis is the win in the big race, but he's consistently good every time he shows up for the 500. And now he gets to go back to a car, back to a team that he's had success with at this racetrack. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! Is he going to be one that I think you have to watch for the whole month of May next year, Tom?
3: Well, I agree with that, and I'm—I I don't want to take away from Carlos, but I'm going to give you another name you got to watch, and that's the guy who's replacing him at AJ Foyt Racing. Uh, Tony Kanon could not stop gushing about his time in the uh, the test recently, and he couldn't stop complimenting the car as it is now with the, uh, the new Arrow kit. He says it feels much more like a driver-driven race car and like what he was used to from years back. And so I think when you combine that with the fact that he is now back working with a lot of the guys that he worked with when he yeah. first went, you know, and and really had some of the best years of his career. I think as much as I agree with you gotta watch Carlos, you better keep your eye on Tony Cannon because something tells me that the nose is gonna be right in the thick of it when uh it comes to the Indy five hundred. And really I would think all season long in that 14 right. car, which I think would be great because, boy, A.J. Foyt needs a big
1: season. Not only A.J. Foyt needing a big season, Cisco, but let's all be honest, Tony Kanon needs a big yeah. season too exactly. after the, I'll just call it what it is, stink bomb that they had yeah. this year at Ganassi. Nobody but Scott Dixon was worth anything over there, and, you know, this is, I think, in a way, pretty much it. It's do or die for Tony Kanon. You either perform here or
4: what else is there for you the retirement tour i mean yeah i'm just gonna say <laughs> Sports it. That's, cars. that's if he doesn't perform here i i, I don't want to say it but tk dude we got to see something or else you know it's gonna be you know into the commentary box or whatever it ends up being but Tony's getting up there now, and, you know, he's a family man and everything, so, you know, there's plenty for him going on outside of just the race car, so. Absolutely. Now, I want to look ahead a little bit, because
1: with the Carlos Munoz announcement, it really got me thinking, James, and I was actually talking to our good friend Joel Sebastianelli about this Uh earlier in the day before this show, and... Joel and I were musing about the fact that with Munoz's confirmation at Andretti Autosport for the Indianapolis 500, we have 30 cars already, before Christmas, confirmed for the 2018 Indianapolis 500. I'm suddenly less nervous about making it to 33, and for once, the first time in about three or four years... Thinking we might actually have a bump day again.
2: <gasps> the bump day thing is the more notable of those yeah. two because they always find a way to get to thirty three. We've but said, we haven't
1: had more than thirty
2: three in a while. Well, well, I mean, but they've always found a way to do it. it, it now, I, I think that we're at thirty this early in the game. In comparison, there's the piece actually worth yeah. noting yeah. out of there. I I figured the the five hundred is always going to find a way to thirty three. But mm-hmm. yes. Uh, I think that's just a great testament to all the work that IndyCar has done. We know that the technical side of things up there has been a very, very vague focal point for them for a long, long while. So uh, now that we're going to have a very, very good race car, by all accounts, running that race next year, can we get them yes. on more tracks, please? And get yeah, them really. More yes, good please. Race days, here's,
3: please. Here's what I find interesting about this. You've got Carlos Munoz and Zach Veach now both of the same organization yes, and, and they were again part of that same in the lights class from yep. a number of years back when and we they had have that three wide four oh wide, my gosh or four wide four finish wide, yeah. yeah uh Zach wasn't a part of that because he had car issues but right th- that same group you've got two of the bigger stars and the one we thought we would have Sage Karam out of that group is not no longer in, at least as of the moment, doesn't have a ride for the Indy 500. So, if he doesn't show back up with Dreyer and Reinbold next year, then
1: something's happened at well, Dryer and, and Reinbold be, because he shows up in their car for Indy every year, yeah, basically. Yeah, that may be likely. But
3: it just it, interesting that those two are teammates. And that'll be good for Zach because, you know, obviously having somebody else mm-hmm. to sort of get him up to speed at Indy, um, not that I think he's going to need a lot of help. I think in the equipment he's going to have, you're right. going to see Zach right. Beach in contention.
1: And stop and remember that when they were teammates in Indy Lights, that was also at Andretti Auto Sport. Yeah. It was. So
3: Small it's a, world, right? Yeah,
1: very small world. <laughs> Everybody's back home again and having some fun, and I could have said Indiana in a nod to Jim Neighbors. But.
4: I was going <laughs> to steal that one from you, and you stole it. <laughs> well, that's because you go in school
1: in Indiana, Cisco, so you would be the one to steal that.
4: Yeah, and uh, there's still a piece that I think all uh, – We'll go out maybe Christmas Day or something. That's going to look look at uh, Jim a little bit more mm-hmm. in depth than, uh his relationship with the 500. So look for that on RCO. But, uh, yeah, that's just a brief, you know, just a aside. brief aside to that, of course.
1: Looking at 2018, so much momentum, I feel like, for the Verizon IndyCar Series, yes. Tom. You've got new ownership. You've got Harding Racing. You've got Carlin. You've got young coast racing with kyle kaiser i could see kaiser in my head and the the team wasn't coming to me i I mean all this new blood in the form of team ownership and the new blood from the driver's side as well it's you're starting to see some turnover finally and i think it's all adding up to a field that's going to be just as competitive if not more so more than what we've seen the last couple years and you know what here's my bold prediction for 2018 Gabby Chavez and Harding Racing, the way they performed in the limited starts that they made this year, I predict will be in contention to finish in the top 10 in series points at the end of next year. I think that highly of Gabby Chavez, and I think very highly of what Harding Racing has done in putting their program
3: together. Listen, when you have Sebastian Bourdais starting out the season as the points leader for Dale Coyne, I don't see any reason why Gabby Chavez and Harding Racing can't uh, can't finish the top 10. Actually, I think you're going to see Gabby, again, be pretty competitive. I just think with the new Arrow kits, I think with some of the new faces or different faces in different places that we have, I believe this IndyCar season is going to be very, very intriguing um you know you've got some opportunity here to go back to some tracks we were at before unfortunately one or two of them that we'd like to go to no longer on the schedule but um i just i think this indycar season is going to be fantastic and i can't wait to see what what we get especially with andretti autosport there are a lot of storylines to follow there among their group of drivers
2: p-i-r p i r and the one i the one in the north not yeah, the one Portland, in the south the, yeah. the one Portland. in the north.
1: So you're most excited about Portland?
2: Oh, yeah. No question I'm most excited about Portland because that's been a really good racetrack for for IndyCar. And when the truck series ran there, it was really good for the trucks as well. I don't know if it would work for too many other series, but for those two in particular, it works well. Super happy to see them back up. And to have another series besides NHRA providing the Northwest with some sort of racing presence, we know that's a very underserved market. So I think that's going to be a very big weekend on all fronts for IndyCar.
1: It's also... Not the PIR of the South anymore because starting yeah. January 1st, it's
2: ISM. Yeah. Change that, the acronym. That'll, that'll take a while to get used to.
1: We're going to step aside. When we come back, hour number two, we're kicking it off with Dr. Dirt one more time this year. Steve Ovens back at the roundtable after this. You're listening to PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
5: Stop these tragedies before they happen, don't drink and drive.
7: This message brought to
2: you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
0: Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Port Job, Stephen Evans.
1: Uh-oh. We haven't been able to use that in a while because Steve's been under the weather and otherwise engaged in all sorts of little things. But guess what, Dr. Dirt? You're back. We've missed
10: you. Well, it's good to be back, boys. Uh, Our final go-round of the year. And fortunately, Jacob, we've actually got races to talk about, which... I know. when When you think about that, races to talk about in December... I love it. What what a gift to go out uh, with the holidays with.
1: I love it. And before we dig into all that, for those who may just be joining us here at the top of the hour, welcome back to Motorsports Madness. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza. And this is our dirt track portion of the show where we talk all things down and dirty with our resident Dr. Dirt, Steve Ovens. If you're counting how many times I said dirt, I think there were five. So you've got a quarter if we're paying a nickel a pop. Which, I don't have the nickels, but, you know, it's a nice thought. Steve-O, you mentioned races. We'll get to that, I promise. But before we get to races, what I want to talk about first is a two-part thing. The first part happened about a week and a half ago and came out right before the PRI trade show in Indianapolis that I think is a whole lot bigger story than people made it out to be at the time. Kyle Larson... Is now the sole owner of the former Larson Marks Racing. It is now Kyle Larson Racing, which number one just sounds awesome, and number two, oh boy, Dotty Shots, look out!
10: Well, uh, this announcement does a couple of things, Jacob. Number one, it it really fulfills the whole reason why uh, Larson and Marks even got together on this program. yeah, Kyle Larson wanted to make sure that if he was going to own a world of outlaws team, he wanted to do it the right way. You don't, when you're Kyle Larson, you don't want to come out and, and do something half-assed. You don't want, you know, you don't want the simple things or the small details to kind of get away from you. So this partnership allowed him to really see what it takes to be a car owner on the world of outlaws. And I'm, I'm thrilled for, you know, and this is not a bad se- you know, this is not a bad parting in the ways with these guys. This no. is a very positive thing. This is a planned move. They planned this right from the get go. Um, but I'm excited for Kyle Larson to kind of take the reins full time as owner. I'm also pretty pumped. I'm you know, Jacob, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on that two inch limb right now. I'm more pumped that Silva is now in this operation. Paul Silva, yes. I am more pumped about that than I am Kyle being a sole owner here because this is how Shane Stewart and that group is going to take the next step forward. This is how this team is going to go from race-winning team, top-five contending team, to a team that will legitimately have an opportunity to win the World of Outlaw Tour in 2018. There's 90-some-odd races to go to see if they can actually do that. But every single piece that I think they need to have in place to contend for the title instead of just a top five is going to be there now. Thank you,
1: Preach, because if you hadn't, I was going to. Paul Silva becoming the general manager at Kyle Larson Racing and that two-team, is the best thing that could have happened for Shane Stewart. Let's set the stage, Steve. For those who don't know, Paul Silva is a very, very decorated sprint car owner. He's been in it a long time. He's the owner that fields the 57 car that Kyle Larson drove to torrid amounts of success, including eight wins and a runner-up finish at the Knoxville Nationals this season, and he is now, in addition to fielding the 57 car, whenever Larson wants to run, see the Open Red podcast at woo that's woo, sprint.com. In case you uh, need an explanation on why Kyle Larson is still going to run for Paul Silva, in addition to Paul Silva being the general manager, Kyle talked all about that on the Open Red podcast today. Uh, but Paul has a history in sprint car racing, and Paul knows. How to do this touring thing this is not something new he's got the experience and he Tom will run this thing right I said it the minute this got announced that Paul Silva I felt like was the missing piece that was going to allow Shane Stewart the resources and the prowess that he needed in that car to be able to go toe-to-toe With Donnie Schatz for the championship, I believe this battle in 2018
3: is 15 versus 2. I don't want to limit it to those two cars, but I certainly think that Shane will be more competitive. Absolutely. And again, I don't want any of this to sort of be tied back to saying that Justin Marks somehow held the team back or whatever. I think Kyle Larson was just ready to go it on his own and... You know, I think there are several teams in the World of Outlaws Craftsman Sprint Tour that can easily contend for the championship, and I think that the the 17 car is going to be a huge contender for the championship, as well as the two car. I I think we're setting up hopefully for a situation. You have David Gravel, mm-hmm. you have Shots, you have Shane Stewart. You throw in a, a little hod just for good measure. I mean, I think you've got four or five guys, even maybe six, that uh, will we'll all be kind of taking turns being the top dog in the series. And you know what? Um, it, as long as we're going there, can can we mention uh, a, a Logan Schuhart? and, you know, throw him into the mix. You because just made Steve's life. There's another team that I think may be ready to really step yes. up. The World of Outlaws is in as good a shape as I've seen it in a while, Jacob. Yes, and yes. We said Agreed. that at the beginning of this year, and now I think it's going to be even bigger in 19, uh, eighteen, Sorry. Before, Skipping in before
1: we get to Lil Hod, Steve, I mentioned the Open Red podcast a minute ago, and I told everybody to go listen to it. While they're listening to it, there were a few other comments that got made today in regards to this Larson kid. Allow me, if you haven't already seen it, to pull up www.racechaseronline.com. Shameless plug, I know, but hey, we've got the quotes. Kyle Larson says, quote, NASCARS where I wanted to make it, but I'd have been perfectly fine if I hadn't made it. I'd probably be on the outlaw tour right now, racing and loving life. I'd say that racing on the World of Outlaws tour full-time is my main goal. NASCAR's just the step to get there.
10: <gasps> Let me paint a picture for you guys because everybody knows how good of an artist I am. With a very dirty brush, p- step into my lounge and let's paint a picture. Let's go down to Daytona Beach, Florida this afternoon. Brian France's office at NASCAR. Somebody's feeding him grapes. He's drinking a scotch. And all of a sudden, Race Chaser Online puts out a story where Kyle Larson has said and was quoted that NASCAR was just a stepping stone for him to go full-time with the world of outlaws. Insert choking on grapes, (laughs) spitting out of the scotch, and we have what happened this afternoon on the internet.
1: Along with maybe a panicked phone call to Chip Ganassi.
10: <laughs> I don't think that the quotes necessarily made it so that he had to hit the panic button. However, I do think this. I think that if you're any of the brass at NASCAR in Daytona, I think these comments at least warrant an, a raising of the eyebrow. Because I think that on the national scene on the pavement side we we have gotten a little bit away from what has drawn people to motorsports and and what has drawn people to motorsports on the grassroots level and Kyle Larson's comments about you know his his dream is running a full-time season on the World of Outlaws and and I just think that you see guys who who go and have a great career and make a great living in nascar and on the pavement but when it comes down to it when 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 the the time frame for you to make you know a great living is over and you get to go back to doing what's fun to quote the great tony stewart this is what these guys want to do and and as much as i as much as i you know cringe when I hear of dirt guys that have done well go to the pavement side. It's quotes like today that restore my faith in all that is dirt track racing because this is fantastic. I I, I cannot wait to see this because, Jacob, this will happen. It may not be today, tomorrow, or, or two years from now, but this will happen, and it will be fantastic when it does.
3: Also somewhere this afternoon, Jacob. Yeah. Johnny Gibson's bus just <laughs> popped a wheelie down the middle of the highway.
1: <laughs> <Amen Woo-hoo! laughs> to
3: that. He's
6: We're coming done. back.
1: <laughs> Steve, and if all of this <laughs> wasn't enough, you have Oh yeah, that other bombshell. Richard Marshall is partnering with Ricky Stenhouse to take over the ownership stake that Matt Wood had in the 17 team, and they're hiring Sheldon Shield. Oh yeah, that happened. And Napa Auto Parts is sponsoring Brad Sweet in the 49 for a full season.
10: This is great. Guys, we talked about this in the off-season last year that The 49 team needed to have a strong year with Napa Auto Parts coming on board. And and could that lead to more sponsorship in the future? Napa Auto Parts just may have saved Brad Sweet's ride at KKR because we know that it all comes down to sponsorship. And as long as there is a sponsor there to fund the ride, you know, guys like Darren Pittman, guys like Brad Sweet, are going to be okay and have rides full-time to go and compete for a title. I love this, um, and, and I can't say enough about Little Hod. I, I, I think that this is a, a big, big offseason story that maybe hasn't gotten all of its due credit so far because there's been so much happening here lately. This is massive for Sheldon Shield. He will win a race next year, and he will compete for top fives and a top five spot in the championship. Mark my word.
3: And we still don't know what Tony Stewart might be up to with <laughs> to the world of Outlaws <laughs> in 2018. <laughs> Imagine yeah. a future where a World of Outlaws championship gets contended for by Tony Stewart, Kyle Larson, Donnie Schatz, and Christopher and Bell. Christopher Bell, <laughs> who probably looked at that quote. And said, gosh, I never thought of that. (laughs) Or maybe he did think of it and just hadn't said it. Yeah, exactly. We're going to
1: step aside. We have more musings ahead, and we're going to talk about two big races that happened over the weekend when we come back. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports
5: Network, the voice of motorsports.
9: Hi, I'm Tyler Dipple, and you're listening
1: to the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. This is where we're going to break the fourth wall a little bit, Steve. Out of all these driver re-entries that you packaged for us midway through the year, that one is my favorite.
10: <laughs> <laughs> and it's appropriate that on the year-end episode... We get to Dipple <laughs> one <of them. laughs> Yeah, we
3: had Dipple in the uh, in in the studio for the uh, uh, stock car show here recently, and, uh, he got to hear that for the first time. He yes. enjoyed it,
1: he, and he didn't know that dippling was now a verb. Yeah, he he laughed at that, Steve. So we've done well. Anyway, we'll, we'll digress and say welcome back to Motorsports Madness. We've been having fun. Jacob Sealman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza, and Doctor Dirt Steve Ovens talking racing and specifically of the dirt track variety at the moment. Steve-O, you mentioned off the top of our second hour that we had racing to talk about in December, which is a beautiful thing. It's also why this first event of the weekend, hashtag Dirt in December, the Gateway Dirt Nationals Dirt Late Model event inside the Dome at America's Center in St. Louis, back for a second year, I was nervous Thursday night, as was Bobby Pierce. The track wasn't good. Shannon Babb liked it. He won the race of champions. But by the time the weekend was over, you know, they call Money Matt Hirschman the guy in the Modifieds because he wins all these big money shows, but there's not really a catchy nickname that we've found yet for Bobby Pierce involving money, though the smooth operator made it look really easy. Thirty grand in the pocket Saturday night. The kid is good.
10: Oh, he's real good. And, and this event is really uh, taking kind of a life of its own. I mean, it, it's not, you know, this is the second year for this event, Jacob. So it's not, you know, not yet up there with an event like the Chili Bowl by any means. But this is a, an event that is such a, a little marquee event to take place right there in St. Louis. And, and they had a great race. They had controversy. And at the end of the day, you had a guy like Bobby Pierce take the win and and really show that he is one of the best of the best in the late models. We've seen him race all around the world. When you think about these past 12 months uh, on our year-end show tonight, think about the year, just the calendar year that Bobby Pierce has had, and and what a way to kind of cap it off here in seventeen. With a monster win, thirty grand uh, at the VP Gateway Nationals, um, I-, I loved it. And and you know, like we said, it had a little bit of controversy to it. Some good hard nosed racing. What more can you ask for?
1: You really can't. He led thirty nine out of forty laps. Oh, by the way, but it was not without a huge fight from Tanner English, Steve. And this is where the controversy comes in. This is actually a rule that I wasn't very familiar with until this weekend because it's never really come into major focus except, well, in a time like this when it kind of sort of decided the winner of the race and a guy getting wrecked. So talk a little bit about the leader plus one rule that was in effect this weekend at Gateway because this is
10: unique and,
1: again, Tanner English wasn't happy about it.
10: No, he wasn't. And, and you know, again... It just comes down to, to how the rule reads and how things play out. I mean, you think about it on the NFL side. Think about the conversations that were had last night and today from, from last night's Steelers-Patriots game. This is, that, this is that same flavor just on the racing side. This rule, the way this rule works is you know, when a caution comes out The race director and the staff has to look back, and and I I can't think of many dirt tracks that don't do it this way. You go back to the last completed lap to try and line the field up. Mm -hmm. However, when it comes to the scoring pylon, it seems like there's a lot of variations of how this rule goes down. But the, the rule that they follow at the Gateway Nationals is if the leader plus one crosses the line, they would then count that lap, but you would still go back to the last completed lap in order to set the running order, except for those two cars that make it across the line. Now, the way that this rule reads, unfortunately it worked against English because he led the lap. However, the caution light and the caution came out just before. And I'm telling like 10th of a second before Bobby Pierce crossed the line, had Pierce crossed the line, and then the yellow flag came out it would have been the leader plus 1 and english would have been scored the leader for the ensuing restart it didn't work out that way pierce did not his, his transponder did not click across the line before the caution came out so therefore you go you comp, the whole field is set up based on the last completed lap. So that puts Pierce back in the lead. Now, the events that happened after that, uh, English, you know, certainly frustrated, certainly probably saw a $30,000 win go through his grasp. And like any racer, I don't care what what, what you race, it, big late models or, or remote-controlled cars, when you have something happen... That frustrates you and gets you off of your mental game, bad things happen yeah, and that's what happened to English. He got into a jingle, uh, which again, hard racing, frustration, the pot boiling over Le- yeah, uh, English- Steve,
1: I want to clarify. Tyler Carpenter did say if it was his mom in the same position that Tanner English <laughs> was in, he would have taken his mom out too to win thirty grand, so sure, there was that. Sure.
10: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I don't, you know, I, I don't point the finger at anybody in that. That's a, that's a huge race. Like I said, that's a marquee event mm-hmm. on, on any late model driver's calendar for the year. So, you know, I don't, I don't blame him a bit and I understand the frustration again, you know, making that comparison to the events that went down in Pittsburgh last night, you can understand the frustration and I don't blame any driver for being frustrated at, at what happened. Uh, but again, it all goes back to what the rule reads and how it's enforced. Yeah. And, you know, he just came up on the short end of that. It doesn't take away that it was a fantastic race. It just circumstances just didn't go in his favor right there over the weekend.
1: Yeah. And I want to give a shout out too. there were two 20 lap preliminary races on Friday night that locked in a handful of drivers into the Saturday night. Finale feature. The two winners from those races, Hudson O'Neill won the first 20 lap prelim, and Gordy Gundaker won the second 20 lap prelim on Friday night. Both of those very emotional victories, very heartwarming victories for two guys who don't really have any marquee wins on their resume, and especially for Hudson being 17 years young.
3: He's only been racing for about 26 minutes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) By comparison, of course. But you know, great to see both of them end up in victory lane. Now, on the flip side of that coin when you go to the USAC National Midget finale non-points event at the Southern Illinois Center in DeCoin over the weekend Steve a guy who needs no introduction to victory lane and unlike the Turkey Night Grand Prix last month where he pretty much dominated it and had some fun with Kyle Larson Christopher Bell came on really really late to win this one did exactly what Ricky Stenhouse did when Stenhouse won the first one. He took the lead on lap 52.
10: Yeah. And, you know, Christopher Bell, he came on at the right time and, and, you know, he, he just, it's races like this that you, you look at a guy like Christopher Bell and say, what can't this guy do? It doesn't, doesn't matter if it's on dirt or pavement, This guy is an exceptional talent. He saved his stuff until the end. And you know what, guys? (laughs) The only problem Christopher Bell had this weekend was uh, some, well, not so pleasant flight attendants on the way home. That's the only problem Christopher Bell had all weekend long.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, Tom, you and I watched this race on Speed Shift TV Saturday night, and See Bell coming through the way he did, being patient, got in some great battles mid-race, and then capitalizing on Chad Boat at the right time at the end. That was tremendously fun. And then there was this 15-year-old Zeb Wise kid, three wide for second with Bell and Chad Boat and Justin Grant all in this mix, second, third, fourth, and fifth. Zeb was running fourth at the time, blitzes the inside in turn three to go from fourth to second. Both our eyes bugged out of our heads. I mean, I've been preaching since day one. This kid is the real deal. And Saturday night made you a believer.
3: Well, I was, again, I was never not a believer. I really knew anything about him. It just was a situation where here's this. Here's this 15 year old who looks about 12 <laughs> in one of the biggest, most high profile rides in one of the biggest, most high profile races. And he goes out and just three, I can't even call it three wide. He, he made it three on the bottom and just basically pulled a slide job on two of the best drivers, of the field. And you know, he really has some serious talent and that's a kid who I believe by the end of the season, everybody who follows Open Wheel Racing is going to know who Zeb Wise is. And he's got a huge future in front of him.
1: Oh, by the way, Steve, there was another familiar name besides Chris Bell in this field, who even though he didn't make the A main, had a very respectable showing on Saturday night in the nepper uh didn't quite get past the b but looked very smooth in the process in his first midget ride did matt crafton
10: yeah that was a very high profile ride that was kind of being followed this weekend just because of everything crafton has done on the nascar side but he's getting more and more into the dirt stuff i mean he wanted eldora earlier this year and and part of What he said that was due to was their focus on dirt racing. And, you know, here we go again with these NASCAR guys talking about dirt racing all the time. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But you know what, Jacob? I, I know we're wrapping this up here, but I just wanted to say, Zeb Wise, we talked about him after the Turkey Night Grand Prix. Yes. And now another strong performance. What a shame it is that this young man can't race in the Chili ball this year. I know! Really? I agree.
1: Uh, Tim Clawson has been preaching about it the last, two, actually ever since Turkey Night, Steve, on social media, about how he wishes so 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 badly that zeb was already 16 so he could go run chili bowl because the kid is on such a ridiculous roll if it wasn't for a flat tire late in that race he would have been in the top three i believe tom and probably with a shot to win it so all good things and the 39 car with zeb Wise. Yes, it's grayscale, but it's very bright on track, and you are going to see, like you said, a lot of great things from him next up,
3: We may need to nickname him the show stealer.
1: (laughs) He was trying on Saturday night, that's for sure. We're going to step aside. We're going to talk more motorsports coming up here in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. We're back after this.
5: Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road.
3: HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Strope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets orca driver gear, lifeline fire systems, and even Racecom radio kits. HMS representatives are experts in their field and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you.
4: Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for Rad.
8: I'm an HRA Pro Stock racer, Tanner Gray, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
1: Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. And actually, Tanner Gray bringing us back from break allows us to briefly uh, pay a nod to one of our racers that we lost over the weekend uh, out of the Pro Stock class, appropriately enough. Uh, Sad to report that Sunday... 10-time NHRA Pro Stock champion, Uh, Bob Glidden, passed away, I think, uh, from everything I'm reading, Tom, a little bit unexpectedly, uh, at the age of 73, and Bob was always one of the best, flew the the Ford flag for years on his own, went undefeated for a whole year at one point in Pro Stock competition, I mean... This one was tough. I mean, he was one of the legends, the giants of this sport.
3: Yeah, I can remember watching him when I was younger. And my gosh, I mean, a giant is a perfect fitting term for Bob Glidden. He truly was one of the all-time, I would even dare say, masters of his craft. Yes. And just loved by everyone everybody in the sport i have never known a person who would say a bad word about bob glidden and boy that's that's hard to find yeah. in, in this day and age and you know certainly condolences to all of those who knew and loved him that was definitely a gut punch Yes, I would agree,
1: actually. That was the words I saw on Twitter from a couple of NHRA fans on Sunday when that news broke. So uh, obviously our thoughts and prayers to the Glidden and the NHRA families, and uh, Bob will certainly be missed. Also want to note that for those of you who – had tuned in, hoping to hear Hudson O'Neill during this segment. A uh, sponsor obligation has taken Hudson away from us tonight, but we will hope to have him back with us on a future show here on the Performance Motorsports Network. And, again, congratulations to him for his big win in the Gateway Dirt Nationals preliminary feature on Friday. He called it a uh, the biggest victory of his career, and I would say certainly so. Steve, as we transition back into a little bit more Dirt Track news and notes here, here a big announcement from one of the Crown Jewel Canadian tracks, which unfortunately hey. is not going to be hosting any big races in two thousand and eighteen because of some conflicts over parking spaces and all sorts of political stuff. I hate this for a Schweiken speedway, quite frankly, because at the end of the day, Tom, this is a track that always puts on great big shows, and the world of Outlaws there every year is a sight to behold. This sucks.
3: Well, it does, but are we sure we want to say won't be hosting? Because the last language I saw was postponed well
1: that's from the track the world the world of outlaws announced and this is where their races yes their races are completely i don't want
3: to say ashweek won't be hosting any big races i don't think we're all the way there yet and i hope they can find a way to bring us back and actually get some of those shows back on the calendar i honestly steve thought the world of outlaws kind of jumped the gun a little bit. They they yeah. announced the cancellation yeah. before the ink was hardly dry on the announcement from a that they were postponing and having the issues with the parking.
10: Yeah. You know, guys, I think that if they're able to resolve this issue within the season, I think what you'll see first, and this is just, you know, me as a, as a, as a media person, I think that you would see the Canadian sprint car nationals, which is their, major 360 sprint car race. I think you would see that be added first. It was unfortunate because, you know, the circumstances around it, you know, a property next to the speedway, which has been used in years past for additional parking to be able to hold such a big event, that property has changed hands and the owners of the property now maybe not race fans or to have other ideas for the property. So that is the situation that they're in right now. What's unfortunate about this is they just got a second date with the world of outlaw sprint cars in one season. We've seen them up there once uh over the last couple of years and now they had an opportunity to get two races and you talked about shark racing i know that uh, Logan Schuhart was pretty disappointed yeah. cuz he was the first yeah. guy that was looking forward to going to Ashweek uh, twice uh, he was. In, in one year so yeah that was unfortunate and and they hold you know Glenn Stiers uh Clinton Jeffrey everybody up at Ashweek just does a fantastic job they have Really, you know, in a short amount of time, really uh, promoted some marquee crown jewel events up here in the Northeast. And, you know, the, the the stops there by the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars. I mean, when you have guys like Donnie Schatz saying that that is a first class facility, he loves what they're doing there. Uh, you know, that just speaks volumes for, for what Glenn has built there uh, north of the border. So. Um, I'm hoping for uh, at least the Canadian Sprint Car Nationals, if if they can get some of this rectified, I hope that they can at least bring that event in, if not the other major events. They've had events, uh, World of Outlaw Sprint Cars we've talked about, but also a, a big event that they hold up there as well is a Triple Crown uh, weekend or Triple Crown race that features 360 Sprint Cars, the Super Dirt Car Series Big Block Modifieds, as well as late models and and it is just kind of taking a life of its own Mm -hmm. up there um at at canadians big o and uh you know i hope that they're able to get that knowing uh you know clinton and and glenn styers like i do I, i know that they will be back they will be better than ever Um, if not this year, certainly next season. So I hope uh, the best for those guys. It was definitely a bummer to get that. It was a bummer, Steve. Just one of those
1: tracks that I've always loved to watch the Dirt Vision broadcasts of, and it just puts on incredible shows no matter what division is there. So we will hope for the best and uh, never fear anybody that may be listening to our show up around the Ashwiken Speedway. They're still going to be hosting their weekly racing or their uh, regular schedule for the 2000. 2018 season it's just the major events that would require some of that extra parking that uh, for now are on hiatus steve i want to reflect here for a minute before we go ahead into the chili bowl On Christopher Bell, we heard from him earlier in this show on his NASCAR Camping World Truck Series championship, but I was really sitting to think about this. In his midget this year, he was 10 for 13. He won a World of Outlaws race at Eldora Speedway. He won an ARCA race at Chicagoland. He won five times in the truck. He won an Xfinity race at Kansas. He's moving up to the Xfinity Series next year. Can you even begin to put a price tag on just how incredible the year for this kid from Norman, Oklahoma, has been? And oh, by the way, it all started with the chili bowl.
10: Yeah, sounds like a guy that's using NASCAR as a stepping stone back to dirt. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what what a year! What I mean, this is. This is a driver that, guys, you, can you even say that a guy that young is is just hitting the prime of his career? I mean, the, it's kind of scary to think about just how much this, this kid can do. And he has got so much of his career yet out in front of him. Yeah. Yet he's accomplished so much. Sounds like a guy by the name of Kyle Larson, Mm -hmm. um, you you know, it just, this is, this is the, this is the part of motorsports that really makes you have to kind of sit back in your chair and and think about it a little bit because, you know, drivers are coming up into quarter midgets, go-karts at such a younger age than the way it used to be. I mean, Tom, think back to the days where you didn't really get your start in anything behind the wheel until you were fifteen, sixteen years old. And, and and that was at a very entry level.
3: But I mean, we've always had quarter midgets and go karts and kids, you know, but you didn't always start at five years old necessarily, but I think what you're trying to get at is you didn't get into big cars until you were, you know, sixteen, seventeen years old. Now shoot, they're running late models at eleven or twelve in some cases.
10: Yeah yeah exactly. And, and just the accomplishments that you're able to achieve at a much younger age now it, it just it really makes you sit back and think, boy, what what can this guy or or this girl do uh, in you know, the very near future? it's it's pretty impressive. Amen. and I think that he is going to do very well uh, for Joe Gibbs racing this coming season. i I think that. In terms of the pavement, I mean, we can talk dirt about him all day, but in terms of of the pavement, Jacob, I think that you know this is going to be a a massive year for Christopher Bell. Yes. In in
3: his rise to the top. I, I agree. Really when is the last time a driver won the Truck Championship and stepped up and won the Xfinity Championship? Was it Austin Dillon? Austin didn't do it the very next year though. It took him okay. it took him 2 years. Before. Has anybody ever done it because Christopher Bell just might be the first?
1: He might Greg Biffle? Uh, Greg Biffle. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Biffle did it. That's that right. That was a while a ago. A long time not that ago. That I'm calling Been Greg about old. 2 decades. He's not exactly the youngest no. crayon in the box anymore. <laughs> anyway, before we go to break, Steve, <laughs> no. and cut you loose for the Christmas holiday, which I know you're excited about. I want to talk for just a moment about the Chili Bowl, which is coming up after Christmas. I know it's hard to talk about the Chili Bowl for just a moment. As of December 14th, 304 entries for the 32nd running of the greatest dirt midget race in America with names like five-time winner Sammy Swindell, J.J. Yaley, chad baseflug paul mcmahon some bell kid you look down the list at some of the rookies austin langenstein for those of us who are in this part of the country a name that we know very well here around the charlotte area dave darland is back for another go at the chili bowl you've got tanner thorson in the 63 car for Dueling Hayward, along with Brad Sweet in a second Dueling Hayward midget. Oh, by the way, are we psyched yet?
10: Oh, we're psyched, and, and I'm going to throw this out to you, Jacob. I think that this is the single hardest dirt track race to qualify for.
6: Period. Not just,
10: not just midget race. You think? This is the single hardest. I mean, Tom, I'm, I'm trying to think of... You know, in terms of sheer number of cars, and I think the only event that may rival this is the IMCA Modified Championships out in Boone, Iowa, where oh, where right. they yeah, see well, five, six hundred yeah. cars compete throughout the week. But I, I, I'm and I'm not taking shots at Boone, Iowa, but I'm just saying the competition level, the the star power. Oh, yeah. And and trying to qualify for, you know, 25, 28 spots in the starting field. This is the hardest dirt track race to qualify for all Mm -hmm. season long. And it's got star power. It's got prestige. And let me tell you something, fans listening at home, do not plan anything for January 13th. Because you can turn the TV on at 8 o'clock in the morning and you're going to get dirt track until midnight. You're going to have the best day ever when it comes to dirt track racing.
1: Thank you, MAV TV, for the dirt track marathon leading into this year's live three hours of the Chili Bowl at the end of the night. I will praise that decision until the day I die. Great move by those guys and all the folks at Lucas Oil that are helping to make that possible. Steve, go have some fun over the Christmas holiday. Merry Christmas to you and yours. We'll see you after the first of the year, my friend.
10: Absolutely. Um, Happy holidays to everybody. I hope everybody has a great and safe holiday. And we'll see you right back here on PMN here in a couple weeks.
1: White flag, lightning round. After this on PMN, you're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network.
5: How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight.
2: Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: Tyler Reddick bringing us into our final segment of madness before the new year. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza at the round table for one last lightning round of the season. And it'll be Christmas-themed in a minute, guys. But before that, there was a little bit tidbit that hit the news and more specifically hit the la times in the last couple of days that i think is relevant here tom so it's been well publicized that fox is divest 21st century fox is divesting most of their assets to the walt disney company
3: yeah okay i'll go with most
1: most not all
3: but mainly it's the it's the studio and production company. Yes, and many of their other
1: entertainment properties right. and such things as well are going with them. They are keeping, however, Fox News, Fox Sports, Fox and Business Fox Network. Business
3: Network. Uh, and also about two dozen or so cable station or TV stations yeah. that they own. Um, basically, the the crux of this. ...is the actual studios where Are they do away. a lot right. of the scripted shows that you see in primetime. Are going and away. And the production part of it. Yep.
1: Right. So, exactly. here's this, and this is how I'll start our lightning round. How does this potentially affect NASCAR going forward, especially in regards to the broadcast network? Because,
3: potentially... This could be a good thing. Well, I was talking about this on a different show this morning. And at first, at first glance, you say, well, it wouldn't affect NASCAR at all because NASCAR has a TV package that includes Fox through 2024. They air a number of races on the broadcast channel, but and then they air a number on FS1. And. So you say, well, it wouldn't affect it at all, but it could because what's being talked about right now is that, okay, if the parent Fox broadcast network does not have all of the scripted sort of primetime shows because they're not producing any and they don't have a studio, they've got to replace that programming with something else. And they're talking about using sporting events and newscasts and things like that and it was specifically mentioned that NASCAR may be a part of that which lends itself to the idea of if NASCAR were willing could we see some prime time NASCAR racing on the parent Fox broadcast the Fox network and my thought is you would never see it you know, as a a majority. But wouldn't it be cool if maybe we could get three or four, maybe three or four races and put them on on a Wednesday or a Thursday night and introduce maybe a new audience to the sport? And, you know, you pick your tracks carefully. It wouldn't happen, obviously, for 18, but maybe for 19. Wouldn't it be cool to see a few primetime races scattered throughout their part of the schedule?
1: My only thought here, James. Is this Bristol in August? Well, Sunday night primetime on Fox. Let's go. Sunday night? Well, wait a minute. August or Saturday night, I mean.
3: NBC already has it in August, right? Oh, wait. Yeah, that's right. So you'd have to do it. But my see. Okay, either way. What I would do is I'd take the whole Blessed Truck series and and I'd put it on in primetime. Friday night primetime? Yeah. Well, whatever
1: night, doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, truck races are normally Friday nights for the most part. I mean, the I, races just, that are I, at night.
3: I think it would be amazing yes, to see James, the trucks.
2: Game changer, especially during the summer. Can we do the Brad Kieslowski thing and maybe make some of those midweek races?
3: Well, that's Tom mentioned what we were that. just talking about. Yeah. And, yeah, Well,
2: but, like, really drive home the mid-race or midweek race bit. Like, re- like you yes. know what I'm saying? You do something special
3: for Ooh, the show's Like.
2: But, I, I love you, Jacob, but the Friday night truck thing I don't think is enough. I think they need to be, Can't. like, Tuesday, Wednesday nights.
3: Well, you, like I said, you can make well, the trucks run Tuesday or Wednesday, go back to a but, Thursday Thunder format rather than Thursday. I mean, the,
2: the, the idea being basically that you replace um, all the just garbage reality shows that end up. Uh, I, I keep especially going back to the idea of, you know, once the main sort of scripted TV season ends towards, you know, end of April, beginning of May, May, and you've got the summer block that comes in, give those spaces to races and just let them Well,
3: but understand that there would be no scripted season after Fox dumps their production in studio. You have all year to work with, and that's what they're talking about. More shows that are live in nature because... You don't obviously have a script, right. and they don't have to pre-produce. Right. Okay. And so you're,
2: you're still going to schedule around some scripts and stuff a little bit if you go yeah. this week. Hey right? Cisco.
4: Hey, hey Cisco. Isn't Eldora normally on a Wednesday?
1: Yes, I was just getting ready to go there, the Cisco yeah. that you and I were exactly. at. You and I were at the race that needs to go on the on the broadcast right. network like yesterday exactly
4: wait what was it on like fox business last yes. year, are saying like that like don't do that put it on fs1 or put it on fox, fox. It's put it on El fox, put it on fox. Sake
2: sake. it's good it's good enough to where it can be on fox thank and you something tells me that if you get smart you do the truck series right and if they become the guinea pigs you had more short tracks And maybe make that Charlotte race another Fox product in the midweek leading up to Memorial Day instead of running the big track, which I don't understand why they do already.
4: Cough, cough, dirt track. Cough, cough. What's the ARCA broadcasting deal like right now? Uh, The big tracks are on FS1.
3: Okay, what about those? See, well, that's another There is some possibility here, Jacob, so it could affect nascar yes it could maybe let's maybe, hope. hopefully yes let's because it could be really a shot in the arm
1: yes now to continue our lightning round christmas wish lists are fun and i want to ask each of you and it doesn't have to be from nascar it can be from anything what is the top bullet on your racing christmas wish list this year what's the one thing you want to see in 2018 that's on your christmas wish list
2: um, this is the first thing that comes to mind. Maybe not the number one overall thing that I want, but can we get the FIA to get smart and replace those bleeping halos <laughs> with windscreens like they should be in Formula One for 18? Okay, so we know where James is going with that. They Let's look go. so
3: awful.
4: <laughs> uh, I want to see GRC on NBC in primetime, going back Ooh. to earlier.
3: Ooh. Wait. Wait, wait, what
4: series? Global Rallycross. Oh! Global Rallycross in primetime on NBC. NBC. Absolutely, yes. That would be very good. With Lee and the whole crew, Townsend and, you know, everybody who's made that series so great to watch on TV. Heck, even have Rick come in and do it. I don't care. Just have good people there. Put it in primetime. I'm telling you, the money will roll in.
3: Yes, Tom. Okay, well, if we're going in that direction, I don't know that this is the first thing I would have said. But, you know, just occurring to me, let's take stadium super trucks and throw them on in a real TV situation, too. There's some excitement going on in that series right now and some real interesting names competing in it. And I think that series would be very appealing to the average race fan, if it were put into time and on a channel where everybody could access it, if
2: if the Aussies can do it, why can't we? Yeah, yeah, I'd pretty stadium much. Stadium super trucks. Let's
3: go. Here's the top bullet
1: on my Christmas wish list, and it could be accomplished in about two and a half weeks, so that we can stop having to harp about it every time we get to January. I want a Kyle Larson win at the Chili Bowl so that it can be done. Kyle can be happy, and we don't have to talk about him as the snake-bit, cursed driver every single year in Tulsa. And plus, it would give more credence to NASCAR guys running dirt. <laughs> Christopher Bell's done a good job at that, well, but I want, I want a Kyle Larson win at the Chili Bowl.
3: Maybe Matt Crafton at the Chili Bowl? That, that's a, that a 2019
1: thing. Uh-huh. I know that's not going to happen next month. What we're going to do here to close this show is favorite moment of the season.
2: James. I think I have to go back to that incredible last 20 laps of the throwback 276. At Hickory Motor Speedway for the Cars Tour, that late model stock race to see Justin Carroll and Anthony Alfredo and Austin McDaniel run three wide around that track. Yes, to close out the final quarter of that race was some of the best racing I've seen in a long, 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 long time. Hopefully, I'll find something across the pond that'll be as good in eighteen.
4: Cisco. I'm calling TurnedIn.com because James stole mine, so I'm going to have to uh, get another one. <laughs> Plagiarism. I'm going to go with Parker Kligerman winning at Talladega. That, for me, was just like the most amazing thing to see him hyped up as he was. And then the broadcast crew for NBC just giving him all sorts of heck on the yes. broadcast. It was yes. awesome.
3: Does this have to be somebody winning a race? No. Okay, then here's my, here's my classic moment of all of 2017. Pocono, Xfinity... Drivers in the booth and in the pits calling the action. Yes, Fox is bringing it back. I can't wait. That was just great. And my second one would be Byron and Indy. That was cool.
1: Yes, for me it was Chip Ganassi letting Kyle race at the Knoxville Nationals. He almost won. He didn't win, but it might have given him credence to come back and do it in 2018. We can only hope, Chip. If you're listening, let him race. Just saying. With that, we're going to close the book on 2017, and we want to thank all of you out there listening who have been supporters of us throughout this 2017 season, and we hope you'll join us after the new year for even more fun and even more madness. For Tom Baker, James Pike, Cisco Scaramuza, Steve Ovens, Bill Holt behind the glass, Bob Steele, Susan Mason, all the staff at the Performance Motorsports Network, as well as Mike Garrity, Megan Kolb, our social media partners at 3 Wide Life. I'm Jacob Suman reminding you to keep it off the wall, folks. And wherever you may be, have a safe, restful, and happy holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Till we meet again.
0: You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.